Welcome back to Notes from the North, your go-to Minnesota Vikings podcast. Before we get started, we want to offer thanks to purpleptsd.com and vikingsterritory.com for giving us a chance to post our podcast over there. Sure to check out great Vikings coverage over at purpleptsd.com and vikingsterritory.com. Welcome to Notes from the North with Kyle and Sam. Well, welcome back to Notes in the North. We have another special guest. We alluded to it last week, uh, and we actually have Jeremy Reisman here. Uh, Jeremy actually covers the Lions, uh, beat writer over there uh, with Pride of Detroit. So, Jeremy, welcome to Notes from the North. Hey, thanks for having me, fellas. Yeah. So, why don't we start off? We do this to to guess where, rather than us kind of looking up your bio and trying to figure out who you are and what you do, we let you introduce yourself with what you'd like for people to know about you. So maybe just tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and how you got into this gig of covering the Lions. Yeah, uh, a longtime Lions fan, grew up in the in the Metro Detroit area, I had season tickets basically through my entire childhood. Um, and yeah, my my route to to covering the team that, that I still am allowed to be a fan of is Definitely not uh, traditional. I didn't go to college with a, a, a journalism degree or anything like that. I actually graduated with a psychology degree, uh, wandered for a little bit after college, uh, mm-hmm. eventually started kind of just writing. I, I like to say that I was writing as as a therapy for the 2008 season when they went 0-16. <laughs> yeah, right, um, yes. yeah. And eventually like it, it, it felt right to me. And so I just kept doing it more and more. SB Nation, um, the, the cool thing about those set of sites is that they have a fan post section so that commenters yeah. can write their own stuff. That's where I got started. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and now I run the site, you know, uh, 15 years later, however long it's been. Um, and, and we got credentialed in 2017, 2018, I think. Uh, and I was actually in California at the time. So I moved back to Michigan uh, and have been covering the team full time since. And uh, it's been kind of a crazy journey, but uh it's it's a dream job, and uh, and now the team's actually starting to get too good too. So that's a yeah, uh, that that's an added bonus, dude. Being a credentialed reporter during the Dan Campbell era must be phenomenal. Like, is, is that a lot of fun to talk to? Him? It it is. Uh, I'm not gonna lie. Uh, the guy is not only uh, a soundbite machine, but he's also extremely extremely uh, transparent. Um, yeah, and yeah. and oh, yeah. coming coming from the Matt Patricia era where it was not fun, uh, he yeah. is the opposite of fun and the opposite of transparent. It's really a full one eighty, and uh, it's 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 informative. It it gives us the the stuff we need to write things, and it's also fun. Um, he's he is a very entertaining guy. He is a. I mean, you all saw it on Hard Knocks. Um, he he's yeah. that every day. It's not an act. It's not um, putting it on for the cameras. That is just pure 100% Dan Campbell. And, and it's pretty cool to, to be able to work with him, you know, three, four five times a week. It's amazing. I was straight up. I was hundred percent wrong. You can pull up stuff that I wrote about him. I was like, this is not going to go well. They're going to bite kneecaps. He wants a real line and wants to train it to like where to poop and practice. This is insane. He's gone. To, he's joked about going to the owner about getting a real lion. There's no way this is going to work. You know, this is maybe nice coming off Matt Patricia and that, you know, you kind of, you know, the Vikings did this, right? Where you have kind of older, you know, kind of gruff Zimmer to like young, charming, handsome, right? you know, Kevin O'Connell, right? And it kind of felt one like ex- the Lions did that, right? Yeah, one extreme to the other, right? And, and in some ways, it feels like an overcorrection. And and yeah, Precisely. there, there were a lot of people that, that, that thought that. And it was easy yeah. to feel that way, right? He, yeah. he wasn't really on a lot of other teams' radars, even though he's been under Sean. He was under Sean Payton for years right. and years yeah. as an assistant head coach. Um, but he wasn't that, you know, 
that flashy new offensive minded guy that that seems yeah. to be kind of all the other uh, hype Deshaun and McVay, just like exactly yeah. um yeah. so and and because he has this silly personality it's easy to say like this is a weird hire and of course the detroit lines are doing they're a weird horrible franchise it's gonna yeah. it's gonna yeah. be a disaster i i understood that point of view i didn't necessarily share it maybe yeah. i was just being optimistic at the time but um he's he's proven a lot of people wrong so far but at the same time Absolutely. like there's there is now so many expectations for this team that it's like okay you got this team on the verge of playoffs. That's that's oh, that's great for year two, but now expectations are higher. Are you capable of of managing a team with actual expectations? That's a huge question going into this year. Yeah, well, I like it. Well, yeah, let's circle and, back to that, Sam. Yeah, I was going to say we we want to touch on that because again, we're obviously as a Vikings podcast, we're here and we're kind of we're interested by the Lions. I, I would say and yeah and intrigued. And I think you you mentioned it like there. I know I've seen predictions of the Lions winning the division. Uh, yeah, a lot of spots have them as the favorite. Yeah, and, and so when, it, when was it, the last time that happened? Like, <laughs> well, here's one one interesting fact. So, so you know, the the Vegas win totals are out now. Yeah, the line, yeah. lines yeah. are at nine and a half, and I think Vikings are eight and a half. That's right. I think yeah. Packers and and Bears are both seven and a half. Yeah, this is the first time since 1992 that the Lions have the highest win total, Vegas win total of anyone in the division. That was the year I was born. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that was the year I was born. And that was right? the year after their last playoff win. Yeah. <laughs> wild. Yeah. Just yeah. Totally wild. I've honestly never known them to, in my entire life, going like the infancy, never known them to be a competent NFL team. Right. Uh, until right now. Right. Apparently. Right. And so it's, it's, uh, on the one hand, it's bad news for the Vikings. But on the other hand, like I really can't be upset about it. It's not like it's the Packers who have been right. like big brother for three decades. You know what I right. mean? Right. And then not like George Orwell, but like they've been like, you know, yeah. always bigger and stronger and better. Uh, I'm not trying to get all paranoid here. But anyhow, Sam, we've gone, we've yeah. derailed here. Let's yeah. let's do the, the getting to know you with Jeremy. Re- is it Reisman? Reisman? Reisman. Reisman. Okay, yep. so please correct us if we get it wrong. Yeah. But look, so we're going to do a rapid fire getting to know you piece. And I think we'll start off with some pieces I think that are more NFC North related. Uh, we'll probably have, well, I'll say a few of them were probably of the same mind. Uh, the last one, maybe not. We'll we'll see. But really, this is kind of a a yes or no question. Obviously, you can expand on each of these, but I'm going to throw out a couple statements here, and you just say, you know what? Yes, that's true, or no, it's not true, and maybe here's why. Okay. Uh, so I'll I'll give you maybe a, a soft, like a, a an easy question off off the hop here. Uh, the ongoing Aaron Rodgers drama is ridiculous. Oh yes, of course, yeah. I, it should have ended months ago. It should have ended, you know, in January, but Aaron Rodgers had to drag out his decision that I think we all saw on the wall anyways. It, it's it been a wild situation. I, I didn't really expect it to come to much of a <laughs> conclusion quick, like especially with him. But like you said, it's not like it's been any shock. Um, let me just, I'll, to wrap up the question, What do you have any kind of prediction as to what happens or any spicy take? Like, he comes back to green bay or <laughs> no I, I don't know what happens <laughs> my i mean my favorite like hypothetical situation is the jets go out and make a play for for lamar jackson and, so and, and just leave aaron so Rodgers in a lurch i don't think that's gonna i mean i think they're gonna eventually get a job get the thing done i i know the gms um are, are both friendly with each other they know each other i think i think it's gonna get done with without I, I think at this point a lot of the drama is just kind of media created just like they're going to get it done. They're, I don't think there's a sense of urgency like it there seems to be in the media. I think it gets done probably before draft night. And I, the debate seems to be whether they're going to get a first round pick or maybe a couple twos. Um, I'm hoping it's a couple twos and not a first because I don't think yeah. I don't think I don't think the whole like I think the Jets are 
making a huge mistake here, but, um, but yeah, I, I, the whole thing is, is very ridiculous and and I'm just ready to, to not think about it anymore. Not think about Aaron Rodgers anymore. That's going to be, 100%. that's going to be great. Absolutely. That will be nice. That will be nice. Um, okay. Question two here, move to the bears. Ryan Poles is doing an excellent job of rebuilding the bears. I'd say, I mean, it, it's early, but I think, I think mostly, yes. I, I, I think the, the trade down was great and, and, Maybe, maybe easy like they just they were in a perfect situation where they had the number one overall pick and they had three or four teams that wanted it and so they they got great value out of that pick they they, they get a good receiver in dj Moore. um i'm not so thrilled with their free agency they threw a lot of money at linebacker which is not to me a position that you center a rebuild around i don't think they made enough moves to improve their offensive line which is something that they absolutely need to do if they believe in justin fields which they obviously do um so I'm a little lukewarm on it, but you know, they have a lot of draft capital and, and eventually that's how you you want to rebuild the team. Anyways, they had to kind of spend all that free agency money just out of just to hit the salary cap floor. Um, so it, I'm, I'm not going to criticize them for spending a lot of money. They, they, they literally had to, uh, I just don't know if the investments were in the right place in free agency. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's amazing to be on that side of the, 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 uh, like salary cap, right. Where like we here sit here trying to figure out who's going to get, uh void years to try and make space yeah. for it and they're <laughs> right. trying to spend money just to make sure that they're legally allowed to play right. um, okay let's this is the, the 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 next nfc north question and this is where i i said maybe there might be some disagreements here um the vikings 13 and 4 record was fraudulent yeah i mean a little bit i i mean i they're, they're, they weren't a bad team they i mean I'm I'm of the true belief that there is like a huge NFL middle class that probably includes 20 to 25 teams where anyone in that range can win anywhere from five wins to a 12 or, or 13 win season. So um, I, I think the Vikings were definitely part of that class. They definitely were on the lucky end. I mean, when you have that sort of record in, in one score games, that's just unsustainable. And I tend to really like some advanced metrics like DVOA, which was definitely not kind to the Vikings uh, for most of the season. I don't know what they finished, but I think it was like 25 or, or lower. Um, so I, I don't think that that record was necessarily emblematic of the kind of team that they were, but they weren't a bad team. And and I think anyone predicting them to be, you know, just like down in the dumps team this year is probably over overcorrecting um, is, yeah. is kind of swinging yeah. the pendulum in the, in the other direction. But I also think they're, they're not going to reach where they were last year. I think that that was, that was well above what I think their talent level was. That's fair. We had fun, and we I think we also knew that there were some some games there, uh, yeah. like in Indianapolis, even the Buffalo game, where things things went <laughs> things went well. <laughs> uh, things went things went well yeah. for the team, and yeah. uh, and had to have fun with it. I, yeah, I mean, tr- no wrong in having fun with a, a thirteen win season. Like that's and and you know, the, I feel like the Lions had a season like that in twenty sixteen, where Matthew Stafford had like eight fourth quarter comebacks. Mm-hmm. Um, enjoy it yeah. like it, it's a fun season i know it ended horribly for you guys and and um you probably got annoyed by all the people saying your team's not as good as their record but to me like close all that out enjoy the the thrilling finishes the ridiculous finishes living on the edge of i mean in, in the end football is entertainment so if your team comes out with that many wins and was doing it in like you know edge of your edge of your seat every single week that's fun enjoy that yeah man. exactly yeah. Cousins actually tied Stafford and Cousins, I believe, are tied for the NFL record for most oh, wow. game-winning drives, right? With yeah. eight, which is 
pretty wild. I mean, I guess Stafford did with one less game or whatever that's worth, but um, that's kind of an interesting connection between the franchises. Yeah. Okay. So we got three more here for you, but they're Lions specific. So okay. Of course, you're the Lions writers. We kind of want to lean into your expertise. So agree or disagree or yes or no. Jared Goff should be the Lions long-term QB1. Oh man, you're you're hitting me with the hard one right out the gate. Oh yeah, no, I'm just coming uh, out swinging. I mean, yeah. this is this has been the off-season question uh that we still don't really have an answer to. Obviously, the Lions haven't extended Jared Goff. His his contract ends in 2 years. Um I think I'm of the belief that the Lions should start looking to see if they can find a replacement. And and sure. it's not so it's not really a condemnation on on Jared Goff. He, he obviously played very well. Um, last year, mm-hmm. especially towards the end of last year. I don't think he's thrown an interception in like 400-some passes and is like fifth all-time on that list in terms of his current streak. Um, and, and, you know, they had the fifth overall offense in terms of points scored. And 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 they, had, I think, in the last half of the season, if you look by DVOA and, and EPA, the Lions passing offense was first. Like, it was them in Kansas City at the top. So I'm not trying to take any of that away from him. Um, but at the same time, there are limitations to his game. I don't, I don't think there's anything he does at an elite level. He's just, he's, he's very good at everything. He, he, he got a lot better in his pocket presence. He's obviously never going to bring the mobility aspect that, that you're seeing in a lot of new quarterbacks, but he's an accurate passer. He's a, a he's a good, um, he, he can read defenses pretty well. He, te- he, he tends to be a little bit under aggressive sometimes when he's not comfortable with yeah. his receiving group. Yeah. But once he builds that, comfort level like suddenly yeah. you see it come along and so I, i'm not sure he's the kind of guy that makes your supporting cast better but if you give him a good supporting cast he's a pretty darn good quarterback and i think that's true of a lot of really good quarterbacks if you take away like they're talented guys they're not going to be as good that's i mean it's, it's very simplistic way of, of an a- analyzing but that's kind of how it is with him so long story short I'd like to see a guy that that could compete and be that elite guy but that guy is not easy to find and and that's actually a, a poignant point that the, the Lions general manager made that a lot of people have been saying to anyone that says the Lions should draft a quarterback this year, which is you can get a lot worse. It, it's a lot easier to get worse at quarterback than it is to get better at quarterback. Yeah, that's right. And so yep. I don't mind if the Lions take a swing this year. I don't mind if they don't take a swing. I'm just of the belief that it's, it, it might, it's going to be a tough sell for a lot of people to give Jared Goff 45 million or 50 million or whatever it's going to cost them when they're going to have to extend him in a year or two. And I think I, I, I think I would rather ch- take my chance on a young rookie guy on a rookie contract because once the Lions do that, like then, you know, if, if people are predicting them to win the division now, if they can be at the level they're at talent wise and then throw in, a, in an elite rookie quarterback mm-hmm. or, or quarterback on a, on a rookie deal, like then you're talking ta- championships right away. And again, mm-hmm. I understand how hard it is to find that elite young quarterback on a rookie deal, but um, I, th- that doesn't mean you shouldn't try, I guess. Yeah. And I guess if you can marry that, I mean, um, I'm in Ross St. Brown. He's just this ferocious route runner, <laughs> just an incredible receiver. Yeah. And then Sewell and Hutchinson and all of these guys, Jamison Williams, if he pans out, hopefully. Um, and like you said, if you can marry some of those, you know, in, in a couple of years, you're going to start paying these dudes right. and marry that with a rookie quarterback. Yeah. You know, you, you might have something. I mean, honestly, you guys are looking good. Uh, but I got two more statements for you before okay. we get distracted here. Uh, Aaron Glenn is going to resurrect Detroit's defense. Mm, man, another good question. Uh, he's he's definitely on on kind of a, a make or break year, I would say, because Seems the Lions be. 
Um, yeah. Lions started to improve towards the end of last season. The last since I think week nine, they only allowed twenty point two points per game, which was eleventh yeah. in the league. Um, yep. You look at some of the the overall stats for the season. You know, thirty second in in points allowed or yards allowed, thirty second yep. yards per carry allowed, things like that. Like if you just look at that, it didn't look very good. But they improved, and I think a lot of that was what you said. Like they have this young core of players, like Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston came on towards the end of the last year, uh, Malcolm Rodriguez, a rookie. Kirby Joseph had four interceptions. Like these are all rookies, four rookie starters last year. And of course, like they got better as the season went on. That's how it works with rookies. And so they're, they're coming into a, a better place. You bring in three starting level cornerbacks in and Cameron Sutton in CJ Gardner, Johnson and Emmanuel Mosley. And that completely fl- flips your secondary from, from one of the worst in the league to if, if not decent, like maybe really good. Um, obviously that all has to pan out on the field, but Aaron Glenn is a former cornerback. And so I, I trust him now that he has valuable assets in his hands in the secondary that it should be a better unit. And I don't think it's going to be a top 10 unit, but I think this is has potential to be a, a top 15 unit, an average unit. And that would be a huge step up, especially if they can maintain that level of a top five offense. Mm-hmm. Well, then you're talking about a, a real contender. If, if you can pair a top five offense with a decent, you know, middle of the road defense, you look at Super Bowl winners, that's that's the resume right there. All right, fair enough. So this is final one for you before we kind of move on here. Is and this is my best attempt at a I don't know if this is this might be just totally bland for folks who cover <laughs> the Lions and follow the Lions, but like this is my best attempt at kind of a spicy take, as Sam would say. Uh Detroit's best offseason move was keeping Ben Johnson as OC. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. Um, and listen, he he's only has one year as offensive coordinator. So there's a, there's certainly a chance that we're all maybe overreacting, maybe not giving a guy like Jared Goff enough credit on his own. Um, right. But at the same time, uh, this was a guy, this is a guy who's been a, around the league for a long time. He's been under a lot of different coaches, had a lot of different influences. Um, Zach Taylor from, from the Bengals is the, is maybe one of his major influences. And, and Taylor said, I think several times now that like, he always wanted Ben Johnson on his coaching staff, but just that the stars never aligned. And then once the Lions, you know, promoted him to offensive coordinator, it was kind of out of the question. So yep. um, I think it was a long time for coming for Ben Johnson to get his shot and he knocked it out of the park, man. Like not only yep. were the Lions really efficient on offense, but they yep. were a lot of fun. You guys saw perhaps firsthand, maybe the, the most fun play all season with the Panay Sewell catch to, to, to uh, clinch. And the way he set it up, the, like the first down, yeah, you know, you got that motion. It doesn't go to yep. him. Second, and, and the crazy thing is that third down. If you watch the all twenty-two, you see Patrick Peterson is actually communicating. Like, you know, <laughs> of course, how smart Patrick Peterson is. Right. He's actually saying, like, watch him. Like, this is, you know, you can see this progression in the OC's thought, right? Of like, yeah. you fake it, you fake it, and then you hit it, and it's, and right. of course, it's there. And of course, Sewell's this amazing athlete. Um, but that's just that's just like offensive coordinator one on one, just like so brilliant. Yeah. Um. Just he, really well, really well done. He really did things like that all season, setting up, yeah. setting up a play for that, yeah, you know, yeah, going to yeah. happen in the fourth quarter. They, they were down. The Jets is is another great example. Like they were just getting beat up defensively by the Jets. They they weren't scoring any points, and then on a fourth and one late in the game, down three, down three points, I think, they hit this tight end screen, and it, when the guy catches it, there's no one within 25 yards of him. like. Yeah. He just has the entire field. He runs 51 yards and for a t- the game-winning touchdown. And, and those sort of plays, the, the last game against the Packers, right? They go for it on mm-hmm. fourth down to, to clinch the game. It's the most simple-looking play, and the Lions just 
really simple. And right before that, there was a lateral play. If, if you were watching, a, I don't know how many people remember it, um, but just so many fun plays that you can tell it. Yeah. It's it was obviously the players have to execute the play to to the best of their abilities. But when they're that wide open, when the when the plays are that innovative, yeah. Um, yeah. you have to give a ton of credit to the offensive coordinator. And so I think, Certainly. I mean, the, the the key to winning in this league is, is offense. And so yeah. if the Lions can maintain any sort of level of success. Uh, that they had there last year, I think the best chance was retaining Ben Johnson. So I'm 100 with you. That's that was a is is that a spicy take? Do people or, or are the people just too enamored with the Cam Suttons and the Gardner Johnson? That's a good question. I mean, it would not have been a big take, you know, before free agency. I think everyone was like, right. we have to do this. Like, if we lose yeah, yeah, Ben yeah, Johnson, who knows where this team is going to be next year? Um, right. I, I would say most Lions fans would probably still agree with that statement. Yeah. But, okay. Fair but, enough. You know, they might be a prisoner to the moment right now and be like, oh my god, Cam Sutton. Yeah. yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, that's that leads into Sam. What's our next one here? Yeah. Yeah. So we we want to talk a little bit about the offseason moves so far, and so know that GM Brad Holmes has been active, uh, bringing in some pretty notable talent. So I guess what we want to hear from you is what would you say has the best decision been so far? I mean, I think it's collectively, if I can cheat, just saying like overhauling the secondary. Um, the Lions were, mm-hmm. were one of the worst teams in terms of pass defense pretty much all year. And yeah. they had a lot of questions going into 2023 that um, we didn't know what the answer was going to be. And, and probably the chief among them was Jeff Okuda, right? Former third yeah. overall pick. He's entering yeah. the last year of his rookie deal. They could pick up his fifth year option, but I think most signs point to him not doing that. Yeah. So, um, and listen, I th- I think there is a still small level of belief in, in Jeff Okuda in the building, but the one thing that they, that both this coaching staff and the one before have failed to do for him is put a good veteran in the building to help him learn. And a lot of people are like, Oh, well, you know what? They got Aaron Glenn. He's a former player that can help. Like he'll, he's there. He's kind of that veteran type leader. Yes. And no, like, yes, he'll teach him how to be a man and how to be a professional, but he's also not going to be sitting, you know, by his hip in the locker room. Right. And, and, yeah. and you, you can't be with him 24 seven, like a, a player can be. And so yeah. Cameron, Cameron Sutton is now that guy. Cameron Sutton yeah. is a veteran in the room. He's been inside a, 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 a prestige organization. He's done it at a high level. Um, and, and he's, and I, I think, I think this is a perfect landing spot for him. He's, he's, he's also that mm-hmm. leadership type. He's an extremely smart player. So I think he's going to be a good influence on Jeff Okuda to maybe give him one more shot here in Detroit. Um, but if, if that doesn't work out now, they have reinforcements in Emmanuel Mosley and obviously Mosley's coming off the torn ACL. So it's not a hundred percent that he's going to be ready in week one, the line's, tend to take their time with injuries like that um, to make sure that they're fully ready to go when they hit the field. And then CJ Gardner Johnson, that one came out of nowhere. Um, that yeah. one was, uh, and and the Lions admitted it themselves this week. They, they said like, listen, when we watched that guy's tape, when we gave him our own free agency grade, he was out of our pain range. We didn't think there was a chance we'd be able to afford him. And then, yeah. you know, got late in the week of the first week of free agency and gone anywhere. And so I called his agent. He was like, can we get th- something going? And a couple days later, he was there. And so um, really interesting move there. Uh, and, and just now, now it feels like the lines are a little bit overloaded in the secondary. And that's not a bad problem to have considering that is kind of a high injury position, especially yeah. with the lines lately. And and now you're feeling pretty good about the line secondary. It's not, it's not going to be elite and it's not fixed for the long term because both Mosley and CJ Gardner Johnson are on one year deals. But for this year, it seems like they have a, a relatively good opportunity to really turn that unit completely around. Yeah, I mean, a couple of thoughts there. I mean, Zim would always say, I- I'm still somehow a Zim fan. I still like him, even <laughs> for all his faults. 
Sure. He has a certain charm. He does. Um, you know, one of the things you could say about corners is just you can never have enough. Yeah. Right. And of course, you know, similar to Aaron Glenn, not that Zim played corner in the NFL, but um, that is kind of his specialty. Right. And kind of where he's kind of like cut his teeth and kind of got going as, as NFL coach with the Cowboys and of course, prime time and that whole thing. Um, so, yeah, like having just like oodles of depth is just brilliant. Like that's smart. There's no such thing as too much corner talent. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the point about Okuda having a veteran is is a good one. I mean, talk to the young guys over in Minnesota, pull them aside and say, how important is Pat Pete for you? Right. right? And, and I'm not saying that Andrew Booth Jr. had a perfect rookie season or Caleb Evans did or whatever the case may be. But like even like, you know, ask any of those young rookies, young defenders or even offensive guys, how important is Pat Pete? Um, and they will unanimously say he was just remarkably so. Right. And and so it, it is actually one of those things that it's easy to overlook, um, but frankly, is important. Right. Because yeah. there is a human element here to uh, to football. So I, I like that. I, I'll ask you one quick question before we ask you about the draft. You had mentioned, if I'm not mistaken, you can correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, it's DJ Gardner Johnson as a corner. So yeah. is the idea for him being slot corner more so than a safety or what are you what's kind of or is he kind of this hybrid defender kind of thing or wh- where are you looking at kind of his fit? Yeah, I think the assumption in Detroit was that he was going to be a, a nickel um, because sure. he, he obviously played under Aaron Glenn in New Orleans and that was his role there. And there's yeah. kind of an opening there where I think the Lions probably are happy with um, Kirby yeah. Joseph, last year's rookie, and, and Tracy Walker, who's returning from an Achilles um, yeah. as their starters. That said, Brett, when Brad Holmes talked about C.J. Gardner-Johnson this week at the owners' meetings, he did call him a safety quite a bit. So I think maybe there's a little right. bit more... Uh, emphasis on on being both uh, yeah. than maybe I had originally anticipated. Obviously, we have to wait and see, but I still think I mean they're they're go- he's going to play both. At, at, that's that's the truth of it. I don't know which one he's going to play the majority of at this point. I still think it's probably nickel, but based on the way Brad Holmes talked about him, I think maybe he's going to play a little bit more safety than than I previously thought. And maybe that's just them again. Maybe they're going to take Tracy Walker slow because he's coming back from the Achilles. Um, all the reports from from Tracy Walker seem to think that he thinks he's going to be ready for OTAs, which seems seems a little bit uh, optimistic. But yeah, um, you know he's posting photos and videos all the time of him running on on his on both legs at this point. So maybe he's right. Sure. Um, maybe we'll see. Um, but yeah, he's he's definitely going to be a versatile weapon. Same thing with Mosley. Mosley can play a little nickel as well. Um, so um, but yeah, CJ Gardner Johnson. We'll we'll see. But I I think he's going to play both. But I think it makes most sense to play him at nickel mostly. Beautiful. Sam, why don't you move us into the draft talk? Yeah. I was going to say, I don't, uh, the, 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 knowing that the the lines are improving in the secondary uh, doesn't bode well for, for (laughs) the Vikings uh, in terms of uh, there's some, there's going to be some neat matchups there. Uh, Yeah. But like Kyle said, let's move into the draft here a little bit. And so uh, see the lions and there's a significant, stockpile of picks here and, and some significant picks too right so uh if we're not mistaken we've got them, them picking at 6 18 yep. 48 and 55 uh that's right so like to have four picks that high is quite the impressive uh stockpile of, of picks and so again obviously we're going to look at the first pick there and and six and obviously there's some quarterback shuffling and and that i i guess there, maybe we can ask a little bit about, uh, and I don't know how much draft prep you, you've you done, but what do you suspect the Lions will do? And 
is there any strong beliefs that you have about someone that you'd like them to take that maybe they wouldn't necessarily take, but you, you'd, uh, yeah, you have, you have a, a guy that you really like. Yeah, it's tough. I, I'm not, I'm not a, a great draft guy, but I do try to at least, uh, inform myself about the first round or two. So, um, this, this is a really interesting year for the Lions because I I don't remember a time in which I felt like their roster is as filled out as it is now. Yeah. Um, I, I really think they, they could go into week one and feel pretty good about their starting yeah. roster, yeah. Um, which is an incredible feeling to have. Like, I, I, I don't know what to, to think of it. Um, so, so that leaves their options open, which I think is exactly what Brad Holmes wants. I think he likes the idea of just grabbing best player available, period, and not even paying too much attention to your own depth chart, just getting a dude that you are pretty certain is going to be an excellent football player. They're going to have an opportunity to add a guy like that at six. Now, who that is and what route they take, very hard for me to gauge right now. Um, they, they've kind of talked out of both ends with with quarterback. I, I still think they probably aren't going to go in that direction. They they do like Jared Goff quite a bit, and they've been saying it from the beginning, and I think they feel a little vindicated with how he finished last season about that. So if I had to guess right now, I think quarterback is probably off the table in round one. That said, I think I think it might be back on the table in, on day two um, because I do think the Lions, I, I, the Lions didn't do anything to, to fill out that room. Um, they brought back Nate Sudfeld, who took knees last year, so we don't really know what kind of things he can bring. But um, Brett Holmes specifically said, like, we need more competition in that room behind Jared Goff. And so I'm I'm very much of the belief that they might add a significant quarterback in this draft. I just don't think it's going to happen in the first round. All that, right. So my preference, though, it, it, it's it got to be Jalen Carter. And um, I don't know if he's going to be yeah. there. And I like... I'm I'm going to sit here and just throw my hands up and say I don't know who Jalen Carter is as a person. I'm I'm not going to claim that yep. the Lions should absolutely draft him and ignore all of the issues. I'm not going to say I'm not going to sit here and say Jalen Carter is a horrible person either. I don't know, but when I look at the Lions, maybe one big need, one at least I mean six, marginal need, if if you will, is is an interior pass rush. They they haven't had that for a while. I think they were hoping Aleem McNeil would be that guy, and maybe he will be. He's entering yeah. year three. He's still a young player. Um, but they don't have a guy to pair with him to maybe free up his opportunities. Um, and so Jalen Carter might be the best player in this draft. And he fits a, a, a relative need, and he's a, he's a tough dude. He can play the run and the pass. I, I think it just makes the most sense if you're talking pure football. Obviously, he has a lot of questions to answer, though. And and I don't know if the lines the lines don't seem like a team that is willing to necessarily overlook c- certain things. Um, off field things. Yes. On field things, not so much. And so I think probably the more concerning news from Jalen Carter this off season was the way he performed in his pro day. I think yeah. that to me raises yeah. more f- red flags than the, the unfortunate street racing incident, which I know probably sounds backwards to a lot of people and maybe it is, but I think that's what the lines are going to look at closer. Why, why were you so bad on your pro day? Were, were you, I mean, it's very possible, you know, he's, he's going through a lot in his life and he just couldn't focus on football in that moment, but otherwise he, he works his ass off. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Again, I don't know about um, who he is as a person, but if we're talking just football, I think he is the ideal choice for the, the lines there at six. I mean, every team in the NFL would love to have their own Aaron Donald. Not that this guy is going to be Aaron Donald or anybody's Aaron. I mean, Aaron Donald is Aaron Donald and there's right. basically no one else. But to have an elite presence on the interior, right, to create pressure, especially when you can partner with Hutchinson. Um, and for a football guy like Dan Campbell, you got to think the idea of having just like a ferocious 
yeah. D line just excites him to no end. Um, so it, it does make sense in terms of team fit. Now, here's my argument for you. Here's I'm going to try and persuade you that at six, QB is actually the best way to go. Okay. okay. So if if Jared Goff is, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, he's kind of more of an intermediate term solution, perhaps rather sure. than a long term solution. Let's say. And with that being the, but the Lions are a team that is ascending. We expect them to be good. Whether they can fulfill those expectations remains to be seen. But we'll, we kind of expect them to do well. And if that's the case, this might be the last time they're picking the top 10 for a long time. Yeah. And so when's, when's the next time you're going to pick sixth overall for Detroit? If things go like we hope, not for a little while, right? <laughs> and so yeah. do you capitalize on this unique opportunity where you just like, that LA Rams trade could not have been any better for you guys. Right. And so absolutely. Um, is there some sense of like, you know, we got to realize how unique this is. And given the trajectory of our talent and of our team, we might not be at six for the next little. And, w- and when we get back to six, we're not actually a good team anymore. And so right. it's not quite as impactful. Right. Does that, is there any merit in that way of thinking? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. A ton of people have brought up similar points like that. And it's, it's, it's a, it's a major reason, I think. I think the other major reason is you want to take a shot on one of these developmental guys, these guys that yeah. might not be ready out of the box, whether it's, you know, yeah. Anthony Richardson or, or maybe Hendon Hooker later in the draft, you know, since he's injured. Yeah. Yeah. You're in a perfect situation to sit that dude for a year. And, and absolutely. I mean, and, and good court, good teams do that with quarterbacks, right? We saw it with the Chiefs. As much as we both hate the Packers, Green Bay, exactly. yeah, they, they do it. Yeah. And, and listen, it doesn't always work. I think Trey Lance is a perfect example of it not working. Um, yeah. And that's why I think the Lions don't need to get aggressive to do it. If a quarterback that they like is there at six, do it. Trading up to like three to do it, that's where you start to lose me because there's a lot of risky prospects, uh, quarterback prospects in these drafts. And I don't know if you want to spend more than the draft resources that you have because you're in, like you said, such a fortunate position where yeah. you are you have a bevy of draft picks that you probably didn't expect to be this good. Um yeah. Along, and, and and to go with a roster that's already so filled out, you can start to plan for other positions. You can plan for cornerback at the future. You can plan for, you know, defensive tackle, linebacker, offensive tackle, offensive guard. Like you can plan for all those things. And so you don't want to throw all those away at a quarterback that you don't necessarily need right now. And, and if they do believe in golf being a long-term guy, which, which again, I think they, yeah. I think there's a chance that the lines do think that's their guy. Um, I, yeah. I don't think they're going to be super aggressive to get a quarterback, but again, if one falls to them, they should, I, I think they should consider it. I don't know if they think they should consider it. All right. So then here's the fight. We'll get you out of here on this then. Uh, number six, number 18, give us a name for each as of what day are we today, Sam? We're in eight, we're in March, aren't we? Yeah. March, March 29. Yeah. Okay. So we're freak. So, the, I mean, the draft will be done a month yeah. from today. Right. Yeah. And so we'll know Jeremy Reisman. You were right or wrong, at least. I mean, we'll know on the 27th whether you're right or wrong. But number six, number 18, give us a name for each that we can either say, wow, what a genius, or oh my okay. gosh, what a dummy. I'll, I'll try to make this uh, more so a prediction than a necessarily what I'm feeling. Um, yeah, do pred- predictive rather than prescriptive. Yeah, yeah I th- I've, six is tough because I, I think they're either going to have a chance at a good defensive lineman or a good corner. And I think some people are of the belief that you should wait a little bit on corner since it's a deep draft. But to me, Devin Witherspoon is just too perfect of a football fit that I th- yeah. I think I think they're going to prioritize him. Like they they're always looking for their guys. Like their guys that just love football and like gritty, like all the all the kind of like stereotype 
you yeah. know, football guys. Dan That's Campbell. Dan Campbell, right? Dan like Campbell, that is Dan Campbell. And you yeah. look at his first picks. It, it, it's Panay Sewell and Aiden Hutchinson, these high motor, high character guys. And Devin Witherspoon yeah. is that at the cornerback position. Like, yeah. he is a guy that will lay the wood. He might be a little bit undersized, but he plays like he's 6'2". Um, and, and the Lions have a long-term unit cornerback. And I just said they brought in a mentor-type veteran in that room in, in Cameron Sutton. Well, what better guy to pair him with than, than Devin Witherspoon? So that sure. those two can grow up together as the, the one and two in Detroit for, for a long time. So I think, I think that's a pick that makes a lot of sense. It might not be the best value, but I know that the lions, when they find a guy that they really like, they're just going to take him. And so I think Devin Witherspoon might be that guy. Okay. Number 18. That makes 18 a lot harder because I like the value at 18 at corner. I like someone like Deontay Banks, maybe if Jordy Porter falls that far. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like to take a corner there. So that makes this one tough. And I, I I go back and forth on like what position, like maybe this is where you go defensive tackle. If you pass on a Jalen Carter, maybe Ryan Bisset, maybe Kalaja Kansi here. Yeah. I'll I'll go with Kansi because listen, I I, I hate people that can't talk about Kalaja Kansi without mentioning Aaron Donald, but I'm just going to do it anyways myself. You know who helped draft Aaron Donald? Yeah. Brad Holmes, the Lions GM when he was there as a college pro scout. Um, director of scouting uh with the rams so i think again fits the need it's a pass rushing threat up the middle i, I think i think it's going to be a tough fit in detroit maybe a little bit because he isn't as good against the run and that's something the line struggled with last year but if if that's a problem maybe they kick only mcneil back to the nose tackle where he can help stop yeah. the run a little bit more so um i think they go i think they probably continue to go heavy on defense and, and get um you know, some, some potential blue chip players that are going to be, make this defense younger and better. All right. I like it. There it is, Sam. Why don't you, why don't you close this off here? Sultry yeah. Sam, sizzling Sam. Yeah. Well, thanks, Jeremy. We appreciate it. It's, it's neat. I, I've always enjoyed um, yeah, talking to, to people that cover teams other than the Vikings. Uh, yeah. And obviously I think Kyle and I, certainly we were, we were cheering for the, for the lions in that last week. Oh yeah. hundred uh, percent. Just like yeah. it wasn't a, it wasn't a question. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, and I, I think if you, if we want any team to succeed and it's not the Vikings uh, this season in the NFC North, it would be the lions. At least uh, I, I can speak for myself and Kyle's nodding. So, so he agrees. But, uh, <laughs> so Jeremy, I know you're on Twitter yeah, uh, at Detroit online. That's right. Uh, and I so, like the pun by the way. <laughs> Thank you. It's uh, always, so I've I've read some Twitter handles out loud and then it's like oh okay yeah yeah no there it is yeah uh, <laughs> yeah um so know your works featured on Pride of Detroit your editor in chief there uh, yep. any other spots people should keep an eye out for your work or anything else you want to plug uh, while you're on here yeah I guess the the only other thing is uh, our Twitch page um, because I think it's always unique that we have a Twitch page not I don't think enough unique. So I don't I don't think enough sports creators are are over on our twi- on Twitch um. Uh, we do, you do, we do, do our there? podcast Sorry, there. Just yeah, we just Excellent. we do a live podcast there. And so it's usually like a three hour ordeal. The actual recording part is only about an hour, um, but we hang out with our live audience for the other two and just kind of talk uh, around and we'll do other stuff there. We'll do live mock drafts on there with with our live audience. We do player interviews. We do, um, you know, beat writer interviews, all that sort of stuff. And so um, it's a cool platform. It's very interactive that you guys can make us do silly stuff too with your channel points and all that sort of stuff. So I encourage anyone who's not on Twitch or just thinks that Twitch is all about video gaming to to head on over there. We're twitch.tv slash pride of Detroit. Really neat. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for having me.